Are you considering going vegan? Well, today I'm going to give you three reasons why you should not go vegan. Here we go. Alrighty, guys. That's the end of the video. Thank you so much for watching, and I'll see you in the next one. Do you remember what the name of my podcast is? Passing through a vegan. Passing through a vegan door. Passing through a vegan door. That's close. That's close. The best thing to do is just get in someone to cut down a little bit. What the fuck are we doing to this planet? <laughs> 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 Does anyone have any final thoughts? What are you doing? Like, you will die. I think that's inspiring for people to be part of it. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll just start off. If you want to just maybe introduce yourself, who you are, what your name is, where you're from, what do you do? Um, yeah, I'm Charlotte. I'm 26 years old and I live in Bochum, which is near Cologne, which... Uh, more people will know than Bochum. Um, yeah, and I work for V-Label International. V-Label is an internationally recognized and registered seal for vegan and vegetarian products. Um, a lot of people just know it from the supermarkets when browsing. It's the yellow and green label that is on a lot of, yeah, a lot of products, food, and also other, other things. Um, V-Label is quite old. It was established in 1996 in Switzerland and right now we have over 50,000 products from 4,300 companies from over 50 countries licensed. Um, yeah, and as I said, we don't only license food, we also license cosmetics and astronomy and other non-food items like cleaning products um, and also yeah, one of our partners has even licensed like um, books which were printed in a vegan way. Um, yeah, and how V-Label works is that we work together with um, partner organizations in over 30 countries worldwide that are then responsible for the licensing activities in their, their own respective countries. And yeah, I'm also vegan myself, <laughs> so I was really happy to be invited here. And um, yeah, it's just really nice to be working at a place like V-Label where... Um, yeah, I mean, not all of not all of the team is vegan, um, but it's just a workspace where everyone is working towards this vegan, like, ideally creating a vegan world, which is of course a very broad goal. But it's just really nice to be surrounded by like-minded people and work, being being working for something that is so close to my heart. Um, so that's really nice. That's really cool. I I didn't know V Label have been have been going that long. So in terms of the different different companies that you work with, how does it work logistically? Like how how can a company prove to you that the products that they provide are are vegan? Um so usually there is just like the process how it works is that there's an initial query. So the customer just provides like various information about the company, what the um, like how big the company is, which products they want to get certified. Um, and then on the basis of this information, we create a first offer. And then after the confirmation of this offer by the company, um, the license agreement is conducted and then um, the the product will be checked. Um, so there are different um, yeah things you have to, like forms you have to fill out. And then maybe like if it's a critical ingredient, you have to get supplier confirmation and yeah, what the, what the, um, thing is about E-Level, what makes it still, um, yeah, trustable is that we don't only check the ingredients, but we also check that in the process and the production process, no, yeah, no animal derived ingredients have been used because often like in the end product, there's no, 
animal products, but within the progress, like for example, in um, like wine, it's been filtered through like filtered with gelatin. So that if that happens in the production process, we don't approve it to be vegan. Um, so it's a bit stricter than only looking at the end products. And then, yeah, um, after the company has passed this, they receive a um, license, the label that they can put on their product. Um, so like application, like application wise, companies can just, we have a form on our website where you can just like enter your details and then we will get in contact. So it's really, yeah, it's really easy to get in touch. Cool. Do you do you find that uh, companies are reaching out to you, or do you reach out to other companies? Because it's kind of like a mutual, it's mutually beneficial if you have your your uh, your brand on things. But it, if they have it on, then it, it opens more doors for them as well. How does it usually work? Yeah. Um, for many of our partners, actually, companies reach out to them. Um, so they are like busy enough with just responding to the um yeah the message like the responding to the companies that want to get certified um but we also do um like active acquisition we go to trade fairs which is also i mean our uh, partners do it in their countries but as the international team we also visit trade fairs which is also yeah a quite big part of my job um yeah to go to the trade fairs and talk to companies that produce vegan products um, yeah, and talk to them about the benefits of getting certified. So we do a bit of both. Um, but like right now, I mean, it's kind of a, yeah, it's kind of a snowball effect as well, because like if you have big companies that have the label, then of course the other big companies see it and then they want to get it as well because the competition has it. So yeah, it's, yeah, like you said, like a financial benefit. So it's, um, yeah, it's a bit of both. Do you have to um, continue to review companies that you work with? If if you've given um, the V label to a certain brand, but then over the years they might change the distribution or the ingredients, do you have to do anything with that? Yeah, once a year the licenses are renewed, and the companies have to tell us if they've made changes to the recipes to prevent like things uh, like you said that you know that the company changes like puts, I don't know, milk powder into a product that has been expected to be vegan by us, that would of course be very detrimental. So they have to tell us if there's a recipe change and then that will be checked again. Yeah, milk powder is the worst. I feel like products... Yeah, so unnecessary. Everyone is just putting milk powder in everything now. I don't know why. Um, but with things like these big brands like V-Label um, being put on these many products, it kind of... I think from the backlash of the sustainable kind of bycatch uh, kind of fishing labels, you know, um, have you watched Seaspiracy? Yeah. Like, because I, I read a lot of people being doubtful of brands now because the kind of, when you look into them, how can you, I know V-Label is a lot different to confirming whether something has been sustainably fished or not, but the kind of backlash that they, they received because they there's no way that they can possibly confirm whether bycatch ha has been caught during these, you know, sustainable fishing trips. Do you, have you ever received any kind of queries on that or, or, or kind of um, people questioning how, how you can confirm or deny how these companies run on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, 
actually that's not happened a lot i mean what has actually what sometimes happens is that people think that the label is also there like to say that the product is more sustainable which like in one way like it always is because vegan products are by nature mostly like more sustainable than animal products um but we're actually really clear about that that we say like it's only like for veganism um and with that we've actually have like we've done consumer research to see um like conducted by other parties as well not done carried out by ourselves um to see like how much consumers trust Relabel and we've had like really good results with that. So it turns out that people people actually trust Relabel really well and that they prefer to buy a product that has Relabel on it um, than one that has not when they're looking for a vegan product. So concerning the tr trust topic, Relabel is um, quite, yeah, has actually not, doesn't have any problems with that as far as we know from yeah what we hear. <laughs> Um, so that's really good. Um, and yeah, sometimes, yeah, as I said, this kind of misconception that the label is also a sustainability label, which, which is, it's not, which is also important to say to not, um, but yeah, that, that has actually been working really well that consumers understand how it works. And, um, yeah, it also really helps that we have the standardized criteria because that's what we always say to customers, um, that it's like what the benefit is of having this, like, um, internationally known label that is that has a standardized criteria is that you know if a company just writes vegan on their product themselves which is what many brands do and they yeah some brands don't understand why why they should you know pay for label if they can just write write vegan on their product themselves um, but you know there's no at least in Europe there's no legal definition for the term vegan so you know one company could say that, okay, yeah, you know, our product is vegan and they put honey in it because, you know, a lot of people don't, don't, I don't know, perceive honey as vegan. One time at a trade fair that happened to me, I asked some people that had like peanut butter if it's vegan. Um, and they were like, yeah, yeah, it's like peanut butter with honey. It's totally vegan. I was like, okay, for me, that would not be vegan. And uh, so it's actually good that there's a label when you can look up the criteria and which is done like this like in every country so consumers can just be sure about like how these products have been tested and which criteria applies to it um we also have the vegetarian label and for that label um we also have stricter criteria than just you know being vegetarian so not containing meat but we for example had the criteria that no caged hens like no eggs from caged hens so only cage-free hens can be used there so it's a bit stricter as well um, but yeah, our main focus is the vegan label. For some brands, it's just like an entry point to certify their vegetarian product. And then some of our partners also work together with um, retailers or other companies and actually go through their product ranges and tell them which products could be veganized easily because it, uh, we talked about milk powder before. Um, that's something that you can like really easily like take out from any product or just substitute. So that's also something that can be done. Yeah, that's really good that there's a criteria because it. I feel like when people don't necessarily fully understand veganism or aren't familiar with it, you know, they might ask a lot of questions of, oh, you know, is this vegan? Is this is this vegan? Can I do this? But if there's if there's kind of a, a strict criteria, a list of do's and don'ts and and what is and what isn't, then it, it just 
gets rid of any any confusion but also it's, it's like you said if you have to you know put in front of a company's face you know these are the ingredients that you're using it and 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 this the, these are the things that can be classed as as um you know vegan then they might think well you know why do we need to use this certain ingredient maybe we don't need to use it and and what's the benefit of it when there's when it can cause so much harm or and we can't have access to this you know vegan sustainable brand and also one thing that is often asked actually is like um you know why do we why do we license like naturally vegan product with this like with V-Label, for example, saying, you know, I don't need to certify an apple juice as vegan um, because, of course, it's vegan. Like, there's no need for label. And then, you know, you see that there's a lot of, like, missing knowledge also, but understandable because not everyone can be, like, an expert in, like, how food, like, food products or drinks are produced. Um Because like like for juice, for example, like it's not naturally vegan. Juices often have like added vitamins, for example, vitamin D, which can be like vegan friendly. But for example, vitamin D D three can come from animals, like a lanolin, which is like a which is produced from sheep's wool or from fish oil. And you know, I I would never I would never have known that if someone like if I wasn't working at V label now, if I would have found D three on a on a like drink I would be okay yeah sure vegan um so it's actually way more complicated than you would think and I don't know if that's something that people want to hear but since I've been working at V-Label I kind of recognized how difficult it is to to live like to only consume vegan things because there's so much stuff that like food is treated with and like so much stuff that comes from animal products where you would never have thought it so yeah, since I've been working at V Label, I really appreciate the label even more because I really don't want to buy, I don't know, some sweets with you know like glycerine. I just thought it's like a sweetener. I don't know. I never really thought about it much, but it can also come like um, yeah from like animal fats, and it's just not something I want to eat. So I'm actually yeah. I'm always really happy when I see V label, so I just know there's nothing weird in there. And this is what what like what is important to me to tell people, you know, um, even if it might seem that V label is on a product where you think like of course it's vegan, it might really be not. Like even sugar can be treated with like bone bone char. Um actually not sure if I pronounced that right, but yeah. Um even simple sugar is not always vegan. So yeah you're never safe <laughs> no but um there's just a lot of stuff um out there that is maybe not something vegans want to eat or other people that like flexitarians that are willing to consume like plant-based products if the option is there so also for them it's really good yeah no it is surprising how much you know animal products is in food that you would never you never think of i only found out uh last year that you know, the majority of oranges that are sold in kind of restaurants aren't vegan because, you know, a, an orange, when it's picked, straight away loses the orange color. So, I mean, I'm not too sure about Europe. I know in kind of UK restaurants like Wagamama's, if you order an orange juice, an orange juice isn't labeled as vegan, but then the other smoothies that might have banana in it or something is labeled vegan. The majority of oranges that are found on markets are dipped in goose fat to maintain that orange 
orange look and and help them sell if they've been shipped from a certain place for a long period of time they'll lose that color and so goose fat is used so wagamamas can't label their oranges as as vegan i didn't know that that's also something yeah it's like you said if you if you standardize everything to say you know this is vegan it kind of brings to light how much you know animal cruelty is involved in day-to-day products that people aren't aware of it's like you said about the um the wool that's in you know so many cereals that d3 which is so annoying because i i love chocolate cereal that's just something that i love and in the uk it's really easy to just to get vegan chocolate cereal but here everything has the vitamin d3 my friend annie who's also from germany uh she's been vegan a lot longer than me and she didn't know about the vitamin d3 that's in a lot of cereals and things that is from sheep's wool because they don't advertise it and she was probably upset that i told her that but she obviously would want to know um but it's just it's just so surprising but also i think the idea of having kind of a standard label on everything like like v label is kind of it it's kind of like a comfort in in seeing that that label it's like when i was younger when i used to eat meat for me that symbol might have been you know the m in mcdonald's where you've been driving for hours in a place that you don't really know and you see the m <laughs> yeah there's a lot of problems with capitalism but when you're a, when you're a kid you just see the m and it provides you with comfort that you are familiar and you know what to expect every single time you go to mcdonald's it's it, v label can have you know a similar uh, a similar effect if i'm new to the netherlands and i haven't been here very long and i need to go to the shop and make some food if i see that yellow symbol it provides comfort that i know what i'm buying and i know that you know i'm not going to cause harm by by making food in a place that i I don't know yeah and not only for vegans i mean like we are not like vlabel is not only directed at at vegans but like also like i mean the main group that can really have an effect on like worldwide meat consumption is the flexitarians and you know hardcore vegans they they will be willing to like study and like look up like ingredients like what can i eat what can't i eat they will spend time in supermarkets like checking the ingredients and maybe even you know contacting the brands asking how the products are actually produced if they are vegan but most people in this world um, are like more lazy than that or it's not as important to them that they would spend that amount of time and they don't want to like you know if they go to the supermarket and they just want to buy like the juice and they are late already they don't want to stand there and like think about google like what is this ingredient is this vegan they just want to grab a juice and go um so especially for those flexitarians who are you know who are willing to eat more vegan products and would really like to but they just really don't really know how to approach it it just really helps them to to make those choices and it's just such an easy way to make them choose the the vegan option because you know a lot of like also personally like a lot of friends and family if they're out and they like they stand in front of the shelf and i mean nowadays it's good that often the meat products are like placed next to the plant-based ones and then they stand there and they see like the same thing with the v-label they're like oh oh it also exists in vegan okay then i'll just grab that one they didn't look for a vegan option but it like 
it caught their attention and then they just bought it. Um, but when, you know, most people have in the back of their minds that they should be eating less meat, but they don't, they don't want to, as I said, like spend the time looking for it. But then if they just see it and it grabs their attention, because the yellow lobe is also quite, you know, you, yeah, you see it easily in a packed shelf. Many people just opt for that instead of the, the other products then. So that's just very, very helpful for the whole, you know, for the whole consumption of plant-based products versus animal products. And I noticed it as well, like when I go home and visit my mom, like often there are some products in the fridge where it was like, oh yeah, I saw, I saw like it's vegan. I saw the vegan label, so I just bought it because yeah, it looks nice. I don't know. She noticed it's vegan, so she bought it. Like, you know, she wouldn't go there and like stand in front of the, in front of the shelves and like check every product if it's vegan or not. But if it has a label, she just buys it because she thinks of me or she thinks, oh yeah, I mean, she's vegetarian herself and like tries to eat as much vegan as possible if it doesn't, yeah, for certain things. Um, so then, you know, she buys it because of the label because she sees it, um, just randomly. And I experienced that with friends as well. And it just also makes it much easier for them to buy the stuff they know I can eat as well. So yeah, it's especially beneficial for flexitarians, I think, um, of course, also vegans, but yeah. Um, like, I mean, I was, I, I'm vegan since I'm 18, no, 19. Yeah. So, uh, quite a few years now. And in the beginning, I spent so much time in supermarkets, just, uh, like to find out what I can buy. And I mean, it wasn't like it bothered me that much because like from that moment on, I also, I mean, I was always a bit of, I was always a foodie, but now I'm even more of a foodie because you feel so happy when you find something that's vegan that you loved also before, or I mean, maybe, you know, the contradiction that when you, you know, like now there's a vegan Kit Kat and I'm so excited about that. But that doesn't mean that I always wanted to eat a Kit Kat again before, like I used to love it, but once I turned vegan, like, you know, I didn't want to eat the Kit Kat because it's not vegan and I really don't want to eat it. It's not like I feel sad about it, but when, when it's vegan, then, then I'm really excited at it again. Um, it just makes life a lot easier <laughs> to sum it up. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's so true. I used to love going to the shop and getting a Kit Kat or some sort of chocolate bar because it's just comfort food and it, it's just, it tastes good. Uh, but then as soon as you start to put kind of your morals before anything you 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 see things in such a different light that i i don't care about those things anymore and then you see a vegan kit kat and it's like you've been rewarded for making these changes so <laughs> you want to accept that reward and 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 try it yeah. um but i had i had a vegan kit kat for the first time the other week and it was quite nice but yeah it's so good yeah I love it. yeah um but yeah, that's that. I've experienced that with my family about because um, they're not vegan or vegetarian. But if I'm going to my sister's house and she wants to make food, then she'll just get so stressed going to the aisles and finding things that she's not used to, or you know, going into different shops that she doesn't know these products. So a lot of the time, to see that V just stand out. Um, but then my mum goes the complete other way in that she'll just buy me anything that has a V on it, even if it's something that I don't need or want. Yeah, even yeah. if it's like a, a, a food that I've never liked since I was a kid, just because it says vegan on it, she thought, 
I, I think she, she, I, she, I think she gets mistaken and thinks that vegan is a brand or vegan is a flavor, you know, like a flavor of chocolate. Yeah. Like, like I, I've never liked. You like uh, everything that's vegan now. Yeah, yeah. Like I've never liked um, coconut, but then she'll buy me coconut chocolate because it says vegan in really big letters, and she'll think, oh, but it's vegan. I said that's not that's not what the flavor is. Um, but I yeah, mean, that's... yeah. But I mean, sometimes like also I buy stuff that's vegan, even though usually, you know, I don't know, just just to support the that the product is there because usually <laughs> maybe I wouldn't buy like the chocolate because you know even even vegan chocolate isn't healthy, uh, unfortunately. But yeah, of course, like, like chocolate is not healthy, um, like. 99% of the time, I don't know. But then if I see like new, a new vegan chocolate, I just have to buy it to support the brand. <laughs> so I'm also kind of going into that direction. But yeah, nowadays there's so much you can't buy everything anymore, which is, I mean, which is good that there is so much um, options. Um, yeah, because yeah, our, um, the founder of the label, he said when he turned vegan, there was really like vegetables <laughs> and like, like normal food you could eat not the like processed food that this that that is there now um so like maybe the movement has come so far in the last yeah 10 or 20 years um and also yeah what i also wanted to say what really but i think really what the benefit is of having this vegan label is that um you know, I mean, veganism still has a like a negative perception for a lot of people. Um, many people, I don't know, associate veganism with food that doesn't taste good or like with, I don't know, ex extreme, ex like extreme people or something, um, which, yeah, obviously is not true. But um, I, like, I just think it really helps to have this vegan label like displayed everywhere because that way it's normalized more like if you have it in the supermarket if like i don't know if a third of the fridge is full of vegan products it's just normal and then it's not like oh there's a vegan product you know like veganism is everywhere it's in the whole supermarket so it's nothing you have to be like skeptical about it's just like you know a product that tastes good so that's also something that i think is really good because a lot there's also that discussion about you know um talking about something as plant-based or vegan and v label has actively i mean has like has has obviously thought about you know if framing things as plant-based is better than saying vegan because vegan there are um studies that show that vegan like the term vegan puts some people off um and that plant-based is perceived better but we've actually uh, actively decided to use the term vegan just to work towards normalizing the term vegan more that it's not something you have to like avoid saying because people won't like it because it's a uh, you know it's just a term that's more specific as well because plant-based you know i don't know everything's plant-based like i don't know even a cow is plant-based because it eats plants like for me this is really a word that is not that yeah, I don't know what to expect really because often like, like I was at IKEA and I bought the plant-based uh, like plant-based dish there and I thought it's vegan and then it turned out it wasn't vegan like only the 
meat chunks or something were vegan, but like the potato mash was with milk and like the sauce wasn't vegan. So I was like, oh, okay, I don't know. I thought it was vegan because it said plant-based, but yeah, it was just vegetarian. Um, so for me, plant-based can be really confusing if there's, because there's also no like definition, like if there would be a legal definition of plant-based, then it maybe would be different. But since there's not, I think, yeah, I mean, it's more inclusive. It appeals to more people. That's that's true. That's proven. But I think for labeling, it's really not that it's not that useful because, you know, you could, could label anything as plant-based. Yeah, I like the idea of normalizing vegan food by using that brand. I've not really thought about that before because I suppose I... I always see things through the eyes of some hardcore vegan and and <laughs> but I mean this is why I started the podcast to hopefully see things through other people's eyes who aren't necessarily um they don't care about veganism or, or they don't care about change but to 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 kind of see other people's perspectives and understand you know why they think like that and and hopefully find a way to you know make them see things in a different light but I suppose yeah if you if you're normalizing these vegan products, then there's nothing to be concerned over, to to criticize over, because it's just become such a normality. But yeah, the the, the kind of vegan and plant based. I am aware that you know veganism has a has a bad name. You know that I, I um I I recently moved into um a, an accommodation with kind of other uh, interns on um an internship that I'm doing, and one of the uh, one of the guys he's from Belgium, and he said straight away that he hates vegans because they're too they're too preachy um i'm a bad example of that because i'm probably very stereotypical but um over kind of a month of living with him and you know talking to him and getting him to try new foods uh last week he made everyone a vegan bolognese for the first time and he, he kind of saw that you know veganism isn't all that bad and the food tastes good so first impressions on on everything so I, I did have a few questions like lined up but I feel like you're beating me to the questions every time because uh, I wanted to just ask ask about you as well and how you came about to be in this role in terms of you know You've already said that you're vegan. You've already said how long you've been vegan for. Do, do you remember, you know, I feel like everyone has a story, like a trigger that, that kind of made them see things from a different light. Do you remember kind of what started it? What made you think of, of a different way to consume um, food? Yeah, um, I mean, like I grew up in a, like my mom, as I said, she's vegetarian and she's been vegetarian as long as I can remember, I think she turned vegetarian when she was like around 20 as well. So a long time now. And she's always been very like conscious about sustainability, which was a bit annoying for me as a kid because yeah, like we didn't have a car. We did everything with the, with bikes. As a kid, I was also quite embarrassed about that. But like now looking back, it has given me so much. Like, and look at, I really like how she made me look at the world and that I, I'm really grateful for that. Um, and also to see that it, yeah, that it's possible to live like that. Like, I mean, yeah, for many people, a life without a car isn't really 
an option, but I know like you can do it even with three kids. Um, yeah, it was like for me, that's quite an inspiration. And yeah, so I grew up in a household where we never really ate like a lot of meat. I mean, we had, it's not like she never bought meat or my dad, they stood up. So yeah, but also he didn't eat, like we never had a like, cooked meat more like maybe salami pizza or something, but it wasn't that, you know, steaks or something. I, I never got into that kind of thing because I then turned vegetarian. I was 12. So also there's a lot of things I didn't even try, like, you know, a doner, like kebab, uh, the German, I mean, the Turkish, but in Germany, it's everywhere. I've never even tried that with meat because I always just ate it like in the vegetarian version because my mom always ate it in a vegetarian version. So I did that like as a child, you kind of just follow along. So I never actually tried that. I never really got into fish, like instead of, except for like, you know, fish fingers, which as a child. So I think a lot of things like about meat, I never even maybe discovered how other people discovered them because I turned vegetarian so early. So I never really had that. I don't know. There was nothing. Um, yeah, there were just a lot of things that I didn't even try and that which I couldn't miss because of that as well. And then, um, I don't know, at some point, I don't know why, I just always started to imagine like it's a bit weird, but I I love like sauce like the um, bratwurst, like grilled sausages, um, like from a barbecue. But at some point, I just imagined too like when I chewed it, I really thought about like what I'm chewing is like part of a pig. I don't know. I don't know how that picture got into my head, but it kind of just did. I don't know why or how, but yeah, from that moment on, it was harder for me to eat these sausages and just like meat and I really liked it so yeah it was kind of weird because I ate it but I felt it felt disgusting to me a bit and then yeah I said okay I'll be vegetarian and then I slipped up a few times like um I don't know there was like a, a schnitzel like lying at home like a rest like a rest of uh leftover of what my brother ate and I just bit into it but I I like while I had it in my mouth, I thought it was so disgusting. So I, like, I couldn't even swallow it. So yeah, then I turned vegetarian eventually, like completely. I, I had a few moments, you know, when my dad made his bolognese sauce and I just really liked the taste. I still love the taste of bolognese sauce. Now you can make it like, I just make it vegan. It's the same taste. So it's great. Um, but back then, yeah, um, when it was cooked, I just felt really, I just really wanted to try some. Um, but then eventually I turned vegetarian and then that lasted, I don't know, till I was 18 or something or no, 17. And I was sitting like in an English class with two other, like two friends um, and they were both also vegetarian. And then um, I know that uh, my one friend said like, yeah, he heard something or like if he knew about um, how like cows are treated to get the milk from them because I just hadn't. I didn't know. I've never came. I've never come across that information until then. Um, and he just told us a bit about it. And I was like, "Oh, that sounds horrible." Because for me, it's about the animals. Like, yeah, as I said, I imagined that pig I was eating, and of course, I was aware of like the environmental reasons. But it was the emotions for me that come up when I think about like animals being mistreated um, that really make me stick with veganism. Um, 
And then I knew, okay, like if I look further into this information, I think I won't be able to like consume milk or eggs or yeah, other like dairy products. Um, so I didn't look into the information. I just didn't like, I didn't read anything about it. I just kind of closed my eyes for a while. But at that point, it was kind of, yeah, I, I told everyone, oh, I know, like, I would like to be vegan, but I don't think I can because I also, you know, I love cheese, I loved eggs, like scrambled eggs. And like, you know, every vegan says before they go vegan, I couldn't do it, like, without the cheese. I love cheese too much. was the same with me, but then, um, yeah, at some point, because I had, like, told my friends all about that I would like to go vegan, but I can't, to, like, for my 19th birthday, they then gave me a vegan basket like with vegan products and a vegan cookbook they made themselves which was the initiative I think of one friend that had turned vegan meanwhile um but that was really good because then I thought okay this is my this is my moment I will just turn vegan from now on and then that night like I just watched a lot of documentaries and yeah went down I think at like 2 a.m in the morning to make my first vegan pancakes to start off <laughs> my uh, vegan vegan life um and then the beginning was really challenging because you know i always thought of okay how will i replace this how will i like what will i do instead of the eggs what will i do instead of the like cream cheese but i mean as you know like after a while you don't think about like how should i replace this some things are just not an option anymore and you just have your you just make meal differently yeah and yeah that was how it went. So actually there was no like big event, but I was always kind of going in that direction. And it just took me some time to get over the fact that I won't be able to eat some products anymore. But now, um, I mean, I don't really miss them that much. Like, um, I don't like the notion of veganism being that vegans always have to, um, uh, like, had I I'm missing the English word, but like that they um that I'm not allowed to eat something. Like I I can I can eat everything. Like I could eat meat, I could eat I don't know, I could drink milk. I don't want to eat it. So, you know, if I would want to, I would do it. I don't want to. So I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything because I know like I make the choice every day and it's not something I've started now. I can't get out. Like I could change it right now, but I don't want to. Um yeah. But also, I think that um, you don't have to do it like as drastically. I think for many people, it's, it's more sustainable to just also reduce your intake. And I think it's always better to like reduce it step by step over a longer period of time and then and like stick to it than try to go vegan for like two weeks and then thinking it's too much and giving it all up and thinking, okay, I can't do it. I won't even try like anymore ever again. So. Yeah, that would be what I would say would be a easier approach. But I think it just depends on the people. Some people have to do it like drastically and others do it step by step. Yeah, I think it's like a misconception, isn't it? That vegans are compromising or yeah. they... The word, yeah. Or even that they are uh, picky. Like I, I think when I first started, my mom thought... You know, I'm just being picky with the food that I, I yeah. do and d don't eat. But I, I think I'm even less picky than I've ever been because 
you know, I'm eating foods that I would never have eaten because, you know, before if you just eat meat, then you just have the same meat over and over again. But with when when you kind of get rid of that kind of staple on your plate, then you open doors to hundreds of vegetables that you never even knew existed and that, that taste even better. But uh, it's just a case of, you know, I, d- I don't want to consume things th- that where an animal has been harmed. And other than that, I'm not very picky with with the food that I, I put in my mouth. But it is a good point that, you know, the, the, the people that are changing the world at the minute aren't the hardcore vegans. It's the people that are reducing the meat intake a few times a week because that's where all of these kind of vegan products that you're putting your name on have, have come about. That's why it's exploded in the last 10 years because... If you think just in the UK alone, only, you know, 1% of the whole population are vegan, you know, that kind of, um, that that small group can't make this big of a change. It's the people who are actively deciding, you know, I'm not going to eat meat today. And then that's where all these, you know, vegan products come out of, out of supply and demand. Um, you mentioned before about how there's people who work for V-Label who aren't vegan or vegetarian. What What do you think of that have you talked to some of your colleagues about it and and kind of got the opinions on why they they don't or they can't or they they might in the future change yeah um i think like what i said about like um that they see the they see the cause and they're like they're behind it but it kind of it's too hard for them at the moment um or they just like some products so much they say okay you know i will just eat this and but like not eat other things for that like they're very conscious about it and they are looking to go into the direction of veganism more um but it's just like not the time for them yet to completely go vegan um yeah and i mean for me it's totally okay to be honest because like for me, it's and for all of us, like work at the label, it's a very like inclusive place. So, and I also think for the whole vegan movement, it's important not to like judge people if they if they are not a hundred percent vegan or something, because you know not everyone. I mean, not everyone has the maybe not the mental capacity to to do it at the moment or. They just like that one product so much, but they do so much other stuff. You know, they maybe they do other um, like charity work or or other you know um, things that uh, contribute to like um, yeah changing the world in like in a positive way. Um, and I think you can really put off people if it's like okay, you know, why you're not hundred percent vegan? Uh, for me, that's not, that's not how, yeah, to me, that's something how to express. But I think it's important that we just appreciate everything people do, like for all the cause. Um, because if you criticize everything that's done like wrong or not perfectly, then it doesn't help to, um, to get them into it more. Like, I don't know. If you know a, pe- a person and they say, yeah, you know, I started to reduce some meat intake and like, yeah, but why you're not like, why do you eat meat like at all? You shouldn't do that. I don't think that helps as much as saying, yeah, that's great. Like, 
how's it going? Um, do you need some more vegan recipes? You know, I have these products. Have you tried those? And if you just encourage them to go more into the direction and appreciate what they've done so far, um, generally that's what I've noticed what like works best. And yeah, I think, yeah, also like within a team, you should just like accept what people have decided for themselves to do. I think it's just important. Like for me, it's, um, I like when people like, are just conscious of what they do and what they consume and that it's not um, just mindless consumption um, with not having thought about it. Um, yeah. So for me, that's the first step, to be honest, just to like be conscious about what you're doing and then going into the right direction in your own, yeah, in your own time. Because some people, yeah, it's just different for everyone what works best. Yeah, no, that's cool. I, I, I've definitely been guilty of being the angry vegan who criticizes people. But I think over time I've learned that, you know, what makes a bigger impact if you're in a classroom and, you know, the one teacher is teaching 30 students about veganism, but the teacher isn't vegan themselves, but the 30 students are, yeah. you know, that's going to make more of an impact you know, compared to the one vegan teacher and the 30 non-vegans. There's a there's a restaurant um, in the city near me and it's a really cool uh, vegan restaurant and it's got great food and a lot of people go there. But the three guys who opened it and run it aren't vegan or even vegetarian. So, you know, you can criticize them for not maybe practicing what they preach, but also you can't, deny the impact they are making by you know putting these vegan products in the community and helping a, a, a lot more people try vegan food and 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 make that impact but i i think it's just a hard like if you're really vegan from like from your heart i don't know like for the animals and everything sometimes it's still hard to understand what people can still eat animals when there's so much else you can eat like oh yeah yeah that's, that's the thing like you know of course i understand that it's hard to to eat vegan like for me it's not hard for some people i don't know it's hard to eat vegan all the time but still i don't know for me i'm always like yeah it's not that hard like i don't know i've i've kind of never been in a situation where there's nothing to eat for me once, once, like a couple of weeks back that we were like at a, I don't know, at a local party and they said there would be food and I thought there would be like fries and then there was only pizza with cheese, of course. And then I only had like the, like the, I just ate the crust. <laughs> so that was a situation where it was a bit annoying, but still, I don't know. Um, most of the time, I think there is an option and yeah, you know, ideally, I think most vegans would like to like achieve creating a like completely vegan world, but I like I realistically don't think that will ever happen. And I just wanted to know what you like. How do you think about that? Do you think that's realistic or? Yeah, I, I get I get asked that question on a daily basis. I think you know, you know, do do you do you want to live in a vegan world and? You know, straight away, my answer, I don't even need to think about it. Yes, because anything other than a vegan world means that every day an animal is being abused or harmed or being used 
to benefit us and I, I don't think that's right but it's like you said realistically it's never going to happen because we can't um we can't police the whole world um but it's just a case of you know the systems that we have in place don't work you know whether you agree with um animal cruelty or not you know we make enough food every day to feed 10 billion people but a third of the world goes hungry every day so the systems that we have in place and the majority of those systems consist of animal agriculture so you know you can't argue you know that change needs to be made because it because it does um you know and then the if i say you know yeah we, we need to stop animal agriculture then the next question that people ask me is you know what about all the cows that we have in the world you know do we just kill do, do we just kill them <laughs> and i was like well they'd be killed anyway i'd rather i'd rather you know it stop now and you know the production ends because the only other option is to continue to breed and continue to slaughter like surely that that's not the bare option of the two my granddad once asked, "Yeah, but if there's no cows, who will take care of like mowing all of the all of the grass that they that they that they eat now?" And I was like, "Yeah, that that's the biggest problem." <laughs> I know it, it's like okay, yeah, you've got a you've got a good point. Are we going to live like in a world where you know there's no longer oxygen because grass has gone too tall? But you know, what's the other option? Continue to breed cows that they can't be. You, you know, you just got to look at the look at the two options, but. I, that, that's why I just say, you know, the, the best thing we can do is, is reduce. If you're in a privileged position, uh, you know, a privileged part of the world where you don't have to go and hunt your food, be, otherwise you will die, then it's it's your responsibility to act on that privilege and choose the option where an animal doesn't need to be harmed and you can still thrive on, on, on the diet that you choose. I think it's also kind of, uh, um, yeah, a problem that, like, like like meat consumption is connected to like wealth and like i mean um economic growth and countries are less economic growth mostly like meat consumption goes up first like firstly and then if like if the um population then is like wealthy enough then like when, like you said when they are then privileged enough then you know they have the then they start thinking about okay do i really have to eat this and become like those conscious consumers that we are now like in um in the countries we both as well live in so i think it's just yeah unfortunately a natural development or that need is just connected to yeah to economic growth and and wealth in the first place and then and then it only goes down again um it would be great if we could kind of break that cycle somehow, but it's, I mean, it's still, yeah, it's big. <laughs> no, definitely. I, I think I've said this before in my podcast, I'm not too sure, but because um, uh, another misconception is that, you know, being vegan is a privilege because you see these kind of vegan products on the shelf that might be really expensive, but that's nothing to do with veganism. That's That could be just to do with brands. You know, if you look at non-vegan products, certain brands are more expensive than, than the other. Certain shops are more expensive than the other. Um, but you you can't deny the fact that eating meat is, is more of a privilege because, you know, say 50% of the whole world, the land that we have is being used for animal agriculture. Most of the plants that are grown to feed these animals are grown in kind of third world, poorer countries. And then 
these plants instead of being eaten by the countries that grow them themselves they're shipped to first world countries like uh, countries in europe and america and they're fed to the animals that then we eat so you know the amount of cost that goes into that it's it's definitely a, a privilege and, and the people who don't benefit from that are the are the people who who are part of the the production of that in in kind of poorer countries so yeah it's like i said that the it's the food system that needs to change and 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 hopefully people can start to see that a way out of that is is to transition to more of a plant-based diet last question i wanted to ask which is kind of um in the same theme is 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 what do you see the future looking like you know the 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 past decade veganism has grown quicker than it's ever grown uh you know with the help of things like veganuary and 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 but also you know companies like v label who are helping with the people to transition what do you see the the future looking like in another 10 30, 40, 50 years time and, and how do you see V-Label being a part of that? Well, I think people will just be more yeah, mindful in their consumption and what I can like what I can imagine realistically is that like vegan, vegan options will be kind of the default options um which, you know, some, like, a few rare companies are doing that. I mean, for example, one example would be, like, IKEA, who make their, like, vegan products. Like, all of their vegan products are cheaper than the um, meat or, like, animal-based products, which kind of goes into that direction. But that just, that the default option is always vegan and that you have to, that there will still be meat or cheese, like, like cheese from cows or whatever. But you have to um, ask for it specifically and that the majority of food offered like in restaurants that it will just all be vegan and I mean of course I think that there will be a lot of technology like for example the cell ground meat um, that can be a game changer um, but I always you know I don't really I don't like to um, like put all of the hope on like some innovations and say you know we don't have to do anything there will be innovations that will take care of that i don't know for example like in the that has it has been done like that with the climate change topic and that hasn't happened until now so um yeah i think um we should really carry on with the like educating people about why veganism is important um to spread the, like, to get veganism out of that bubble, because I still, you know, in my environment, I always get the feeling like, yeah, you know, almost everyone is conscious about what they eat. Everyone tries to eat less meat, but then I go somewhere else in a different context and it's completely different. And then kind of, it's like another world because, and then I realize that I do live in my bubble and I just hope that in 30, 40 years, like my bubble will be everywhere, kind of. Um, where not everyone is vegan, but where everyone tries to eat, like eat maybe, yeah, 
80% vegan. Um, I think that would be a big change. Um, and with the label, I think, um, I mean, the, the labeling, of course, I hope that we will be on even more products that will be like, that hopefully also like 80% of product in the supermarkets will carry V label. Um, but also what I think how V label can contribute to all of this like change is that, um, by the way we are structured, you know, I, I mentioned it, that we work together with these partner organizations who are responsible for the licensing in their own countries. And these are actually all like NGOs that mostly animal rights organizations or like, um, yeah, just organizations working towards a plant-based diet. And with the licensing fees that companies pay to yeah, license their price with relabel, um, those licensing fees, they go to those organizations and support their work. So by having more product license with relabel, those organizations get more income to finance all of their activities. And they have like, they work together with governments as well um, to change the regulations around veganism. For example, in um, Argentina, it was forbidden until recently to use vegan labels. So it was just not an option. And our partner there worked for a long time really hard to change that together with um, others. Um, and now they're actually allowed to label vegan products in Argentina, like things like that, that really makes a difference. Um, and yeah, um, ProVeg, they had uh, like the, the first ever food focused pavilion at the um, COP27 last year, like just, you know, putting the food system topic and the plant-based topic on the agenda of like the climate conversation, which is really important. And through things like that, I think the label, yeah, can really impact the, yeah, this change of how, yeah, how um, society can go more into that direction also to create the regulations and the environment like politically and just um, education-wise as well, like why people should transition to a vegan diet, um, yeah. Cool. Uh, well, do you have any final thoughts or final comments before I let you go? I just think it's really great that you make this podcast um, for like for vegans as well as for others as well, because especially I think for like new newly newly vegans, like people that just became vegan, it's always nice to have. I mean, because I think your podcast is kind of like knowledge based, also just like you can get some good arguments from it and you just don't feel like you're the only one um i mean nowadays it's not i think there is quite good resources online but it's like i'm just happy about everything that there is just to like spread the word around veganism um and to see what other people think about to, to have conversations about it so yeah i think it's really great that you're doing what you're doing Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a great thing because it, you know, for me personally, it's like you said, you, it's a way to talk to people kind of with similar morals, and and it kind of reminds you that you're not crazy, because if you think we are still unfortunately the minority, so if you are, you know, if, if you if your mindset is is part of the minority, it can it can kind of make you feel 
I don't know, isolated sometimes and, and most of the time crazy. So it, it, is, it always makes you feel better talking to someone who, who feels the same. But also it's, it, it's a good way to, you know, I, I've talked a lot on my podcast to people who have never considered veganism and it's, it's always nice to sit them down and, and just talk, talk to them and, and, you know, educate them in a way that isn't condescending, but also just brings to light certain things that they haven't considered before. Um, and so many, a couple of, a few times now that I've had people on and, you know, they've, they've gone away and thought about what I've said. And I think that's the best thing about veganism is that it all it is is planting seeds in people's minds and those things grow. If I say one comment that someone hasn't heard before and you just think, oh, whatever, I'm, I'm going to McDonald's and then they see something on the TV that reminds them of that thing that I said and then they see something on Instagram that, oh, you know, maybe I'll think about that more and then they they choose something different on a menu at a, at a restaurant. It's, it's, a, it's a snowball effect and I think that's the... That's what this podcast is and, and, and helps a lot of people, I think. And I mean, the good thing with like arguments for veganism is that there's like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm biased, you could say, but like from a, from, from an objective point of view, like, I mean, the arguments are valid. Like it's not, it's not a, it's not like an argument with that, where there are two, two different points of view. It's like solid facts and like all facts speak in favor of like, veganism <laughs> i mean of course like the ethical part yeah that's an ethical part but if you look at everything else like what it's doing to the environment what it's doing to like the people what it what it's yeah doing to the animals some people might not care about that but you know it's just um for me it's something that you know you can only win with arguments for veganism um if people are open to understanding them and if you talk to people like in a respectful way that um i've rarely experienced that people just i mean of course there are like people who are really against it but then it's not a you know if it's a proper conversation where you really listen to one another then i think it's it's hard to not plant a seed like you said that really stick because there is all there is like arguments for veganism are valid so i think people who are kind of smart and you know able to think about it properly they will understand that it's just true that veganism is better for the planet and for the animals and everything so yeah yeah you're completely right that there isn't a valid argument against against veganism and if you can't sit down and have a conversation with someone and if there's someone who isn't able to listen and comprehend the arguments that you're making then then yeah you can't have a it, it, it's not a you know a fair a fair discussion but if someone is able to listen and comprehend the things that you're saying there, there isn't a there isn't a valid argument against it which is why i i did uh my last podcast was with um the one of the founders of animal rise in the big activist group at the minute and he said he was talking about the the kind of big protests that they do and you know he said they're so passionate about it because they're right you know if they were wrong about it then they would understand the criticism and, and they they wouldn't do it and they wouldn't push themselves so far but you can't argue that they're wrong so that's why they they'll continue to 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 go um thank you so much Charlotte. have a good day mm-hmm.